Hello, and welcome back to the triumphant return of the Reds Disciples podcast. Uh, if you're watching, thank you for coming back. Uh, I know it's been a long time, a little bit longer than I'd hoped to be away. Um, about four weeks ago, I said, uh, yeah, sure, I'll be back next week and we'll record another podcast and talk about whatever. And then a whole bunch of life happened. You know, I don't need to get into it. Y'all know how it goes. Life happens, work happens, family, whatever. But things happen, and I wanted to get back to do this last week, and uh, I, I just couldn't make it happen. But today, I, I finally was able to get free with enough energy and and time to get this in. So, um, once again, welcome back. You know, thanks for for coming back uh, again if this is your first time watching this this is the reds disciples podcast we are a companion podcast connected with the reds disciples facebook group and which is an interactive basketball community dedicated to your 17 time hopefully soon to be 18 time world nba champion and so I am your host on this journey as always, Aaron. And I say welcome back. If you are listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, thank you. Please follow. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe. Click that subscribe button. Um, we are getting back to the season. Training camp is around the corner. So we are. I'm going to start pumping these videos out. Hopefully a little bit more frequently. We're going to have some guests on. Um, the season's coming back. I'm super pumped. I'm super excited. I hope y'all are excited if you're watching this. Because um, I think we're going to have a fantastic year. I'm excited about EMA. I'm excited about the additions that we've made. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely come along. And if you are so inclined and you have a Facebook, a Facebook account, Please join us on the Reds Disciples Facebook community. Um, you know, uh, please uh, search for us and, uh, you know, join the group and be a part of the discourse uh, for every game. We got training camp coming up. Um, media day is on Monday. Training camp opens on Tuesday. Um, so this is hopefully going to be a little bit of a preview, so to speak. But I, I know we'll be um, back once again, certainly on the other side of this weekend as well to kick it off uh, for real, for real. So, but for today, since we last uh, tuned in here at the Reds Disciples podcast, a number of things have happened, nothing major, um, but certainly a number of things that I can definitely touch on today. Um, one of the first things that happened after our last podcast was when we had the Wancho Hernan Gomez trade. Um, which was uh, the Wancho trade, which in which we sent out Chris Dunn and Carson Edwards and got back Wancho. Wancho was a guy that um, I kind of had my eye on a little, like, just as someone who could maybe fill in at the back end of the rotation or back end of the roster. Um, for those of you who don't remember, Wancho was the guy that we were interested in with our second pick in the Jalen draft. Um, we picked Jalen up, of course, at three. 
had another pick, but if you remember, Danny didn't want to bring over uh, another guy that year. He wanted to draft and stash with his 16th pick. And the guy he had uh, tapped for that was Juancho Hernan Gomez. But one pick before he was taken, he was selected by the Denver Nuggets. Juancho said he didn't even know they were interested. They never even spoke to him or reached out, reached out to him. But they selected him one pick before Danny wanted him. So Danny had to scramble and choose his next best draft in stash guy. And that ended up being Gershon Yabuselli. And we all know how that turned out. Um, so uh, Wancho is a guy that the staff and even the remnants of this staff and scouting department have been interested in for a while. So this is not, if some of you were surprised by this deal when it happened, it really actually isn't. There is a little bit of a history with our franchise, with our scouting group being interested in Wancho. Uh, as far as Wancho goes, um, he's an okay shooter, um, but he's uh, a six foot eight. Um, I'd say he's pretty much a four, uh, stretch four in, in this league. Um, I don't think he's quick enough to play on the perimeter as a, as a three, uh, and he's not big enough as a five. I think that, you know, even with, um, you know, uh, you know, multiple positional versatility, you know, defensive versatility, he's not really that versatile on the defensive end. Um, but what you can do a lot with him is you can run a lot of pick and roll. You can run some pick and pop with him. Uh, I see him as a guy who would fit in really well next to either of our bigs as a floor spacer, who rebound a bit as well. Um, not great defensively, but I, I don't know that he's not passable if you play him at the four and not the three. Uh, so I, I think he's someone who, if you, if we're talking about someone who's maybe the ninth or tenth man on this roster, he's you know he's not going to solve any major problems for us. You know he's, he, but I mean he won't kill it. You know he won't kill us. Uh, and if any of you, and I know some of you are searching for a better option than Grant, who I still think is not done here. I still think Grant has more to offer, and I, I think he'll make he might rebound this year. But for if they're searching for an alternative to Grant, we've got Wancho. Uh, we also got Fernando, and I think I was going to play a little for it. But in any case, Wancho's here, um, and I think he's non-guaranteed after this year. So. Uh, again, another versatile contract that we can move, that that, uh, that Brad and Mike Zarin can manipulate in future deals, maybe. So, uh, again, all-around solid trade, nothing spectacular. Again, Brad's hitting singles uh, and just driving in runs, uh, if, if you want to follow that analogy. So he, that's been, uh, that's a nice trade. Uh, so not not bad one for the rest of our roster. Uh, next after that, we had the Hall of Fame, um, which was a fairly Celtics-centric Hall of Fame uh, ceremony. We had, of course, uh, you know, the grandfather, Bill, you know, the, the biggest winner of all time, Bill, Bill Russell going in as a coach this time. 
um, which was awesome. We had Mike Gorman, long overdue, well-deserved as an uh, announcer uh, for the Celtics. Um, we've all grown up with Mike. Uh, again, I still look fondly back. Speaking of the Jalen draft, um, I was in the garden which the fans were booing him. And I met Gorman that day with a friend of mine. And I asked him about his opinion on Jalen. And I tell you, I say this all the time, but he looks like he about, you know, shat himself like at, at the idea that we were gonna end up with Brown. But he said, he's a good kid. He's smart. He's athletic. He might be able to play multiple positions. So we'll see. And so far it's turned out well for Jalen. But again, uh, there's a great picture I have of, of Mike, which I, I don't have handy, so I can't splash it. But I did, in fact, meet Mike Gorman and um, just class guy all around. So, you know, that's certainly believable, you know, just a class dude. Um, and so, he, again, he deserves every every bit of the flowers he gets. The hall call is well deserved. Um, it's going to be a sad day when he goes, because it will close the books on an era, on an era of Boston with Tommy gone. And when he decides to hang it up, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who is going to be able to deliver that same, you know, fire and passion. So I'm praying Mike lives to like a hundred you know, because He's great at what he does. I don't love Scal, but Scal is Scal. But at least we got Mike, you know, which I love because he's awesome. Um, Paul had the great Hall of Fame speech. Paul, I love Paul dishing out the petty. Paul remains petty in his his earlier year in his late years, you know, and he is he is messy as fuck, and I'm here for it. I am here for Paul Dick counting out the, all the teams that passed on, on him again. Um, you know, uh, recounting the uh, time when Doc sent him home because he was drunk and he still had 30. He made sure to mention that he still had 30 and they won. Um, and just Paul being Paul, he's he's awesome. Wherever he goes. He is 100 ever 150% the truth all times. I mean, uh, Shaq couldn't have given him a more appropriate nickname. You know, he he exudes the truth. He's never kowtowed to ESPN and their agenda, their LeBron agenda. He's, you know, he never really fit that place. You know, he always just wanted to be him. And, you know, he's never gonna, he's never gonna, bullshit the audience you know even when he went down even when he you know uh, you know picked wrong when he picked his team above all you know he was like he became like a like a tommy heinson like you know just the fanboy of the celtics you know and we always be like we're gonna win you know but still he always owned it you know he always owned who he was from you know the beginning to the end um which was great you know, KG was there uh, to uh, introduce him, which was awesome. Uh, and uh, I know number 20 or former number 20 was there. We still don't say his name around these parts. Yeah, don't don't ask me to mention his name. I still won't. But that guy, the other guy, he was there. 
They said, Paul and him said, Paul said they were cool, but I know KG is like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm still out. I'm still done. And so am I. Um, so we're not even going to give him any more in our, of our time here. I don't care what y'all say about whether he was instrumental in winning in 08 or not. I don't care. I'm petty. Petty just like Paul on that. I'm done with him. I'm done. Um, but after that, um, the rest of this has been basically filling out our roster um, bit by bit. Um, first, we had uh, Juwan Morgan come in. Came in after playing a couple seasons with the Jazz, actually even played in the playoffs a little bit last year. And he's a 6'8, um, kind of swing guy, maybe 3'4 ish. Um, has some athleticism, he'll catch a lob. He can shoot a little bit. He played at IU with, with Romeo. Um, so he's not bad, maybe. Maybe he gets in. Um, maybe he takes that. Uh, 17th, uh, I think he might be okay. Actually, he may not be, he may not be eligible for that 17th, uh, spot with the two-way contract. He may have played too long. So, um, maybe he ends up in Maine if it doesn't work out here. Um, a lot of times, in, with a lot of times with these kind of contract deals, um, Sometimes it's to get guys in our system so we can take a look at them and maybe we send them up to Maine so they can be in our pipeline. Maybe we have some long-term aspirations for some of those guys. Maybe we think they can help us in the future or maybe we think they can make our 17th roster spot. But don't overlook the fact that sometimes GMs and, and guys, you know, guys in the front office just do favors for players and agents, you know? Agents represent more than one player. So sometimes, you know, we, we might do a favor for an agent by saying, hey, can you put my guy on, you know, get him a raw and get him on your roster so we can get him a, a good look. Even if he doesn't make your team, let him get a little visibility in a system that maybe works out for him. Maybe he gets a better shot later on down the road. You know, never underestimate guys are always network, networking, um, GMs, uh, guys like Brad are always trying to cultivate and sustain relationships with agents. So maybe, you know, you help them out with some of their small guys, then maybe when the big guys come around, they're like, oh, that's right, Brad hooked me, hooked us up on the, uh, you know, Juwan Morgan's uh, Ryan Archie Diakonos, and I'll get to him later, uh, Ryan Archie Diakonos of the world. So, you know, maybe when XYZ other bigger free agent comes along, we'll be like, you know what? Brad did Brad did us Brad did me right on this other guy. Maybe I'll steer maybe this good client over to him. So, you know, don't don't overlook the fact that those types of things do happen in this league. This is a people business after all, right? It's still a people business. So these things happen. So even guys who we got, we got a number of other guys here that we've added. Obviously, they may not all make it. They, probably, they certainly probably won't all make it to the team. Obviously, Jabari Parker still on 
a non-guaranteed deal. The second part of his deal, which is 2.1 million, becomes guaranteed on the first day of the season. So we can still cut him in favor of any one of these other guys we just added, um, or one of those guys, or those guys may go up to Maine if they're feeling it. But uh, by no means is Jabari Parker's spot guaranteed. Obviously, we'll see what kind of shape he comes in. Um, if he comes in in good shape, you know, last year he was not, uh, and it showed. And this is a guy who's traditionally hasn't been that great a defender either. Um, so he's by no means guaranteed any one of these guys we added could take his spot. So uh, next we added Luke Cornett, the Green Cornet, who in my opinion was actually not bad last year. He was, when he came aboard late in the year in that trade uh, from Chicago, um, you know, he was better. I mean, he, you know, he, you can set the world on fire, obviously. So, I mean, I, you know, I hope I don't need to couch this, but they just say he was better defensively than I thought he would be. He moved his feet a little bit for a guy his size at 7'2 and 260 or whatever he was, 250, 260. He moved his feet a little better. He needs to bulk up and he looks like he needs to get stronger. He's, he's still, even despite being 250, he still looks like he's got no arm or leg strength um, but you know he shot reasonably um, eventually when he started playing better teams obviously he got exposed but I mean he, he wasn't terrible um, I don't know that he makes this team I still think there are too many other big men in front of him um, maybe if he feels like going to Maine or maybe he comes on her roster and like I said maybe after we you know he plays well Maybe someone on another team sees him and says, ah, oh, that's right, Luke Cornett, he played not bad. So maybe as we cut guys off our roster, maybe we'll add him later. You know, that's that's kind of favors that Brad could be doing for agents and setting guys up and maybe they catch on on another team later on, you know, just before the season starts. So uh, I think with Fernando and uh, Obviously, uh, Ennis is our third center, but we still have Bruno Fernando backing him up, who's playing, who could play the four or five, mostly five, um, but you have him back there too. And so, uh, I don't know, Cornet probably doesn't get much run here. Uh, I don't know that he needs help. He's still got small, small ball, small five in, in, in Grant. So I don't know, I don't see how he catches on here. But he's a nice guy, he's a nice story. I, I hope it works out for him wherever he goes. Um, we had some talk about Levine for a while, Zach Levine um, for a little bit. Um, there was talks about obviously whether Levine could end up here. I know um, he had maybe, um, he's got some maybe questions regarding the Chicago front office and what their plans are. I still say they have like maybe one too many wing players and too many guys that are most effective with the ball in their hand uh, for that team to be good. Um, I I feel like that's a weird roster construction. There are a lot of six five six six guys, and I just 
I'm not sure how the fit is going to work. But obviously, he gets to make a boatload of cash if he re-signs after this year. And I have difficulty thinking that he is, um, that this team is going to tank so bad and going to be so bad that he washes himself of it. Um, so I, I think he's going to secure that bag and choose to stay there. And then maybe if something doesn't work out later, then we'll see if he doesn't harden his way out of town. Um, but for now, I don't see that as a realistic option. I don't know that anybody really does. I think the only conversation was whether or not he might be easier to get than Brad Beal. Um, and in some respects, he might. Certainly, I, I think the cost may be a little less, but a bit lower and a little bit uh, less prohibitive than if, um, if you went for Beal. Although that could change if Levine gets All-NBA this year. If he winds up on an All-NBA team, then all bets are off and it becomes much more difficult. That's what happened with Beal and that's why his salary, um, his next salary will be what it will be. Um, and I wouldn't rule out Levine making All-NBA. Um, he's had a great summer, obviously, with USA Basketball how he played there, how he showed a lot of people he could play defense, not just be a one-way guy. Um, I always thought when he came out, he had kind of a punk vibe to him coming out of UCLA. And I thought he had that a little bit in Minnesota, but he's matured, um, seems like a really confident kid, had practically a 50, 40, 90 year last year almost. Um, really good player, really good player. Works out with Jason Tatum under Drew Hanlon. Um, so his stars rising for sure. And he may have a, you know, uh, another big year this year, I think. Um, but I think it will be in Chicago and it won't be with us anytime soon, for sure. Um, next we had uh, Schroeder, um, who made a, a really great, um, Instagram post uh, where he, he uh, you know, threw himself on, you know, threw himself on the cross and just kind of allowed people to, to make jokes at his expense, talking about fumble in the bag. Um, nothing endears yourself to Boston fans like self-deprecation. Uh, that is the, the quickest way to ingratiate yourself to Boston fans. It's a little self-deprecating humor humanize yourself, um, you know, allow people to make jokes because in Boston, we have a chip on our shoulder all the time. We have a chip on our shoulder. We don't want uh, we, we, you know, have kind of a, a younger brother vibe thing going with New York. So uh, we don't like to be made fun of, um, but you can certainly endear yourself to Boston fans, uh, definitely by, um, you know, throwing on the throwing the people a bone and letting them nitpick you a little bit. So I, I hope Dennis has a great year. He ended up choosing 71 for his number also after opening uh, opening up a, a poll to uh, the fans, to his followers to let them choose his number. I think one of the other numbers finalists was 84, which was weird. Um, but uh, 
um, oh no, it was weird because that was the nut, that was the amount that he fumbled the bag for. So that would have been hilarious if things had chosen that one. Um, did that he even put that number out there is is also uh, I think a little endearing uh, as far as Celtics fans might go. Um, but yeah, he chose 71. Um, hope he has a good year. I'm still not 100% sure he makes it through the whole year as a Celtic. Um, he's basically a luxury. He's basically free money. And so if he plays well, and I mean, he's obviously going to outplay this deal, but if he plays really well and someone comes knocking on the door for him and says, you know, hey, We'll give you a first round pick. We'll give you, a, I don't know, a guy you think you might be able to use, upgrade somewhere else, you know, make a little package. All of a sudden we have an upgrade at another position of need, you know, dealing, uh, dealing uh, Schroeder is potentially dealing from a surplus. You know, obviously you've got uh, Marcus, but you've got guys who can facilitate all over this team. You'll have, of course, Pritchard, who had the great summer. Um, looks like a, a steady backup point guard in the making. You know, he could take the first half of the year and just kind of sit and learn and watch how Marcus and Dennis, you know, use picks on the pick and roll and operate and how, uh, you know, they allow uh, Al Horford, the point guard amplifier, that he is um, to make them look better, which he will. Um, and so they allow him, allow, you know, allow himself to learn from those guys. And that I think would be good. Um, after that, the last two deals, the last two things have been more recent, have been more in recent days. We had Theo Pinson come on board. Theo is a 6'5", he's a point guard originally out of uh, originally out of UNC, but he's played in New York and Brooklyn. Um, he's got a little shake to his game, he loves to get downhill. If you've seen uh, the uh, Tomek videos, you see uh, he loves to get, loves to come off that screen and get downhill and get to the basket. Pretty big guy, but he also knows how to set up teammates. Um, not much of a shooter, but, you know, loves to finish at the rim. Um, kind of reminds me of like Marshawn Brooks. If some of you know that name and dated myself a little bit. Like Marshawn Brooks, but not a dick, you know, and, and, and far more humble. Uh, so he, he kind of gives me that vibe. Um, so I don't know. He, again, he could make the team. He could just be, you know, coming to camp to get some run help out his agent, help himself out, maybe find a team somewhere else. Um, but, or, you know, if Jabari fumbles, fumbles, then maybe he steps in. Last one was a guy who just got signed today, Ryan Archie Diakono, um, who, he's 27, Villanova guy, Villanova guy is Jay Wright coach. You know, those guys know how to play, they know how to hustle, like hustle. Like, if this guy makes this team, anyone who's in the first three rows, just watch out. You better have your head on a swivel because this kid has no compunction about diving into the first three or four rows is what I can see. Um, he, he is Mr. Florber, but he's also a shooter. 
and he's 6'3", 195, 200. He's, you know, fairly solidly built. Um, feels kind of like, to me, like you project Pritchard into the future and he becomes this kid, right, more or less. You know, uh, I think Pritchard, I, I don't know, it's possible Pritchard maybe may or may not have a higher scene, but either way, they're, like, they're both, to me, very similar players. So, you know, maybe Archie Diacono stays and um, I don't know, he, he becomes something. Either way, what I love about what Brad's doing is every player he's brought in, you know, everybody he's signed, whether it be to a con, to a regular contract or to one of these Exhibit 10 training contracts, like you understand the fit. You understand how they complement the Jays. Everything they do here is about complementing and accentuating the skills and talents of our two best players. Every player they bring in, in some way, has the ability to do that. So all these moves make sense. You know, whether guys work out or they don't work out is another story altogether. And we'll find that out together starting next week. Um, but the logic, the rationale is there. We can follow it. And, and that's also part of what makes this year so exciting is all these moves make sense. Like, like, like I'm, I'm about to be on 20 right now. I'm just like, let's go. Let's let's get this going right now soon. Like, I hope you are too, because I'm definitely feeling it. Like, it can't get to Tuesday. Well, I mean, even Monday. So we can have, you know, more um, information, new data to, to look at, new quotes. Talk, talk to new people, new faces, old faces. Um, but like, I'm ready. And so uh, I hope you guys are too. Um, I'm interested to see how players are going to be used this year. One of the other questions or debates that's come up recently has been regarding what the lineup is going to look like, what the starting lineup is going to look like. And while that matters a lot less than who closes, it's still interesting and of note. Um, I've always, and if you've looked at past, if you've listened to past uh, uh, podcasts here, I've long stated that I thought that um, we'd have a much faster lineup with um, with uh, Rob at the five and Tatum at the four and um with uh, Josh Richardson starting at the two and uh, everybody else slides up and obviously the Jays and Marcus fill out the rest of the roster. Um, and there's a lot of logic to that starting off with that perimeter defensive pressure that uh, Smart and Richardson can apply to teams and get out and be fast and athletic. But there's also a lot of logic to starting Al at the four. And I'll tell you why. We don't know much about Ime, but what we do know is he obviously learned under Pop and he learned in Pop's system. Now we don't know that he would translate over all the same stuff that Pop run, but Pop ran a lot of double big um, back in, in, in his heyday. Obviously he had Duncan, so we could do that. Um, and the game was different back then. Yeah, but still, and obviously, and Al ran a lot of double big with us um, when he was here back, whether it was Amir Johnson or Daniel Tice or, you know, um, 
um, Aaron Baines. Um, we ran a lot of double big here, and Al was fully capable of doing that uh, for 28 to 30 minutes as a guy who could make the interior pass, run, do the short roll, and from there make decisions, whether it be to kick out to a shooter or to do a quick post jump hook or to lay it down uh, to a cutter or to the other big in the dunker spot. So he could still do that. Maybe not the same number of minutes, but one thing I did do is I watched a lot of tape of San Antonio from their championship run in 2014 that he made was on the staff for. And my God, I swear, it's just beautiful basketball. It's like, it's basketball porn. But watching the interior passing that their bigs, uh, that their bigs produce, like that is the essence of ball movement, is having bigs that are capable of making the correct read. And Al can do that. You know, he maybe can do that only for 25 minutes a game, you know, 24, 25 minutes a game. But Al's game is still pretty ground-based. I mean, he doesn't have to throw down alley-oops all the time and he'll still get some rest. He's been rested. I mean, he only played 30 games last year. So he's plenty rested. Um, there is a scenario, bottom line, where maybe you start the season with Al at the four, Rob at the five, and then the other three, you know, just playing big, just having a big lineup out there and maybe running a lot of post up at different spots and allowing other guys to cut and make interior passes or kick out passes for shots. Like there's a scenario where maybe that makes sense. I'm certain I'd have to think he may gonna try it to see if he likes it. He'll probably try it the other way with Richardson instead too, and see what he likes best. But there is a scenario where maybe that is logical, where maybe that makes the most sense. And I hadn't really considered that before up to now, but after watching some of the tape of San Antonio and said, he could potentially bring that over here. A lot of that tic-tac-toe interior passing, kick-out passing, where guys, you know, one thing I noticed in those videos, and if you watch any of the old videos on YouTube of San Antonio and that championship run, after like two dribbles, maybe three tops, the ball moves. And, you know, if, if they don't have the shot or the play after three dribbles, they're giving it up to the next guy. Like, or they're just holding on to it. They don't waste dribbles on that San Antonio team. And I'd love to see that here. Is we, I thought we wasted a lot of dribbles last year with Kemba, with, um, of course, JT and Jalen at times. I thought we were inefficient with our dribbling. Dribble, dribble, dribble to not go anywhere. You know, one of the drills that they do in San Antonio is just hold the ball and, you know, make sure the ball doesn't hit the ground. But yeah, I, that's one thing I noticed after two dribbles, the ball, the ball moves, they pass, they cut. And so I'd like to see that on this team. Um, so, but we shall see what happens. Um, again, um, media day is on Monday, it's on Monday. Um, so uh, that'll be exciting. Um, hopefully, uh, 
Monday or Tuesday at the start of camp. You know, I'll get back on the pod again. We'll break down maybe the first bit of information we get, you know, uh, interviews and so on and so forth. Um, what we're hearing about this team, what's going to happen, how they're going to coach. But we'll see who, who makes the end of this roster and we'll see how he is going to start coaching these guys and what lineup combinations he's going to try. You know, the one thing I love about this roster is it's not just flexible from the standpoint of moves we can make, but there's a lot of uh, positional versatility all over this roster. Guys who can slide up, guys who can slide down, who can play a little bit here, a little bit there, you know, make lots of combinations. I mean, like, Ime's going to be a mad scientist during training camp, and it's going to be fun to watch. So uh, I hope you guys are ready. And uh, and once again, thank you for, for coming back and uh, rejoining the Reds Disciples podcast and listening in. And uh, definitely stay tuned because uh, some big things are coming. This, this season's going to be big, and we're going to try and do it up. So stick around and come along for the ride, all right? So that said, see you.